Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we are studying the book of Romans, chapter 6. Here's Pastor Ryan. Turn with me uh, in your Bibles to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. What is the value of a godly mother? Before we start in our text, what is the value of a godly mother? A godly mother is a treasure. And her worth cannot be uh, overstated. Mothers who fear the Lord and who tirelessly care for their children and who lead them in the ways of of the Lord, they are treasures. There is no greater call for a mother than for her to raise her children up to know the Lord. You know, yesterday was the birthday of my spiritual uh, mother, Sue Cass, who went to be with the Lord two years ago. you know, I grew up in, in, you know, my, with a family that was disinterested in me. Great-grandparents, but as far as parents, there was that, that disinterest. So the Lord knew that I would need a, a spiritual mother. And when I came to know the Lord, God brought uh, Sue Cass, I call her Mama, Mama Sue, and me together. And we both needed each other at the time. Um, I shared the reason why I would need her, but she had lost her only son, who was 18 years old at the time, and he died in a car accident. So when I met her, uh, she was in mourning. I was working in Orange County uh, at the building. I was a security guard, and uh, she worked for Caltrans. And uh, um, the Lord brought us together because that's what God does for those of you who don't know, he takes those that are in solitary and he places them amongst family. He's the God of the fatherless. He's the God of the widow. So whatever we lack as far as parenting, moms, dads, grandparents, uncles, aunts, cousins, brothers, sisters, when we put our faith in Christ, we, we come into this family of God and we all become one big f- spiritual family. So now you have a ton of like moms and a ton of dads and a brothers and sisters in the Lord and in Psalm 68 that's what he says in Psalm 68 God sets the solitary in families he brings out those who are bound into prosperity and so like I said I was walking I was walking I was working as a guard there uh, in Orange County Santa Ana and uh, as the Lord was drawing me to him, this is before I knew Jesus, as he was drawing me to him, I would read this little Gideon Bible, the Proverbs, every day. I was not a believer, but I would read the Proverbs. And uh, Mama Sue saw me one day and just asked me if I was a Christian. I said, no, nah, I'm, I'm Catholic. And I pulled out my chain and I had a Virgin Mary medallion, you know, onyx. It's a player chain. <laughs> You don't know what that is, don't worry about it. But, uh, you know, she approached me, and then she just smiled, and, and we became friends that day, and she would witness to me the love of God 
in a, in a motherly way. She was a white lady referring to me as mijo, you know, bringing me breakfast burritos and sharing Jesus with me. And when I got saved, I was finally able, her and I, to understand each other like never before. Because when you come, when you give your life to Christ, as you know, he opens your eyes spiritually and you, you see for the first time how things really are. And so our conversations were far more better. You know, it was like I understood her, she understood me, and I was able to explain my crazy ex-gang life to her in a very spiritual, in a way that it all made sense, you know, and uh, uh, we became just so close, and uh, she was God's tool in helping me to lead me in my faith and to support me in my journey. She cared about my life, uh, she had tried to help me in any way that she could. Um, she gave me a lot of spiritual, practical um, advice. She gave her time, her energy, her money even to help me. Um, she was an old school Calvary Chapel uh, member from Costa Mesa, like during the tent days, way back in the day. She would go to Steve Mays's home Bible study before Steve Mays was Steve Mays. And had the church in South Bay. Very, very old school Calvary Chapel. And I thank God for that. But she, she, you know, encouraged me to check out a college and career study there where I got plugged in there. So I'd drive from Almani to work in Orange County. Then I'd go to that Tuesday night study. And I fell in love with the people there. And, and, and God used Costa Mesa to really help me unlearn some of the prejudices I had towards Orange County, and, uh, you know, I'm from the barrio, you know, I was just, I, call, I thought it was pretty world, I thought they were snobby, all these things in my mind that weren't true, I'm sure there's snobby people there, but you know what I'm saying, I was in a box, and God had to crack that open and say, my kingdom is bigger than you think. And they loved on me at Costa Mesa, they became my home church, she blessed me with uh, Pain for me to go to Israel with Pastor Chuck and Kay Smith in 2001. Um, you know, she helped, she opened a bank account uh, for me, blessed me with, with spending money to go to Israel with her on that trip. And, and it was on that trip that I was introduced to Jerry Brown, who's my pastor to this day, who she was praying that God would send a, a, a male mentor into my life because she's like my spiritual mom. I need a spiritual dad. So I met him on that trip as well. And eventually I would meet my wife from, at Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa. So you see how God brought my spiritual mother into my life. We talked on the phone all the time, all the time. And, uh, you know, one day I remember we had lunch and she she took me to the campus at Costa Mesa and she said, see all this, mijo, see all these buildings, see what, see, see what the Lord has done. And she said, this is what God can do through a faithful man. And God did all that at Costa Mesa through Pastor Chuck. So I just remember so many lessons and and so, you godly mothers, do not underestimate what you do for your children in the leading them in the ways of the Lord. And all mothers are to be honored. And maybe you're a mom here today, or you're watching, listening, or whatever, and you haven't been a godly mother. You've been a mother, 
but you haven't been a godly mother. A godly mother is willing to challenge her own children when they're in sin. Confront is the term I was looking for. Godly mother will, Sue was a type of spiritual mom that would confront if I was doing wrong. She would confront me. I think of Hannah in the Bible who, you know her story in 1 Samuel. She couldn't have children. It was a stigma in, that, in the culture at the time. It was like, oh, you must be cursed by God. No, it's not true. She was barren. God has his reasons. And even her adversary, uh, you know, her husband's other wife was mocking her. You know the story? She went to the temple and she was praying to God, take this reproach from me, bless me with the son, and if you do, I'll lend him to you. I'll lend, he'll serve you. And the Lord answered her prayer and he gave her a son in due time. She called him Samuel and he would be the great prophet to King David. Samuel. He was weaned. He took her to the temple and gave him to the Lord, dedicated him to the Lord. And if you read her song in 1 Samuel, she was gone whole for God. She was like, you will, you will, you will destroy the proud and the wicked and you, those who mock, like you'll take care of that. You're that kind of God. You're gracious and merciful, but you're also going to handle the wickedness that's around those who would try to hurt me, like that God is both those things. He's our defender, our protector. He's merciful and gracious and forgiving, but he also handles business. And a mother who fears the Lord handles business, handles business. That's why Jesus said, if, if, if you love mother or father or husband or wife or son or daughter more than me, you're not worthy to enter the kingdom of God. Why? Because sometimes a good mother will have to confront her kids and say, not in my house. And if you want to be, uh, you want to go play house, go, you're a big boy, big girl, go play house somewhere else. And, and since you can go play house, finance that. Finance that. You're big enough to do that. You're big enough to get a jobby job. My money is the Lord's. Woo! <laughs> Love you. Doors open. Come, come, come for dinner. Charles Spurgeon said this concerning mothers. You are as much serving God in looking after your own children, training them up in God's fear, minding the house, and making your household a church for God as you would be if you had been called to lead an army to battle for the Lord of hosts. Charles Spurgeon. I thought that was pretty good. We know that not all mothers are, are mothers. Many women can produce children, but they do not love them the way God intended them to love them. They are more concerned with their own desires rather than selflessly raising their children. They go through the motions of caring for their physical needs, perhaps, and doing the sort of basic things, but they are not really interested in their children. I counsel parents that are not properly watching their children, caring for them. I counsel them, God gave you children so that you can properly care for them and be fully invested and diligent to know their state. And too many parents are not 
uh, asking the hard questions with their kids. What are you up to? Because they're afraid of what they might hear. You need the truth. Like doctors examine us, right, for cancers and such. You, you want them to call a spade a spade. I know Mama Sue would hit me up. She was that way. She was a Marine's daughter. It came easy to her. Sometimes she was, she was too, too, too rough. So we'd get into it. You know, the Marine came out of her and the ex-gangster came out of me. And it was just like, then we'd make up and learn a little bit about it, you know. But it's good to know. The Bible says, be diligent to know the state of your flocks. If you don't want that, that, that responsibility, why did you have children to begin with? It is our responsibility to know the state of our flocks. What are you watching? And I don't mean to be, you know, put a police hat on and sin sniff, but we need to know what's going on. Then there are women who have not produced children, maybe not capable of, of producing children, but are more motherly than most. God bless those women this day as well, for you are worthy to be praised for the, your example of motherly love. In Psalm 113, the psalmist says, Who is like the Lord our God who dwells on high, who humbles himself to behold the things that are in heaven, in the heavens and in the earth? He raises the poor out of the dust and lifts the needy out of the ash heap that he may uh, seat him with princes, with the princess of his people. He grants the barren woman a home like a joyful mother of children. Praise the Lord. Psalm 68 says that he is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows is God in his holy habitation. And so... Father, we pray for the mothers in this room, the women who are seeking your face this morning, those watching, those listening, that you would bless them and strengthen them to be the mothers that you've called them to be, that they would love you for the children that you've blessed them with, but also love you enough, love you more to challenge their children when they have to. Give courage to the mothers, Lord, for the children are the next generation. They're the future of the Church of Christ. So bless every mother this day. In Jesus' name we pray and together we say, Amen. All right, Romans chapter 6. Last week we learned how Adam was a type of, of Christ. He was a type of, of Jesus, but in a negative sense. Uh, as the first man, he represented all of humanity, and because he sinned against God and the garden, him and Eve, sin and death entered the world, and this is why the world is in a fallen state as it is. That this is why, you know, animals kill each other and humans kill each other and murder each other and hunt each other, and, and there's all kinds of injustice. It's because it's a fallen world. But Jesus, who came in the likeness of man, died for our sins in order to reverse that curse of the original sin. Jesus is a type of Adam, but in a good sense that as, as the world is in a fallen state because of one sin, Jesus takes on the entirety of the sins of the world. So he is greater, obviously, and he reverses uh, the, 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 the curse of sin and death 
because he died on the cross to pay for our sins. For it says, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Jesus hung on that cross, on that tree, in order to make things right and reverse that curse. Amen? Paul would write in uh, Romans chapter 5, really the last verse, verse 21, he says, but where uh, sin, I'm sorry, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through uh, Jesus Christ our Lord. And so uh, death abound, um, sin and death abounded in Adam's failure, but in Christ, grace reigns. And so uh, there's that, that, that freedom that Christ brings. And so uh, in our next three chapters, the Lord will speak to us about sanctification. And sanctification is like a Christianese term. It's something obviously that, you know, people don't use regularly in their, in their language, right? It's a, it's a sanctification. It's something people don't use much. But in the church, it's a big word. And what sanctification means, it's the act of making holy. So in the next three chapters, it talks about how God makes us holy, the act of him sanctifying us. And in an evangelical sense, it's the act of God's grace by which the affections of men are purified or alienated from sin and the world and exalted to a supreme love to God. And so sanctification, in short, guys, it means it's God's change in our lives when we become Christians. We believe that God purifies our soul when we come to faith in Christ and he gives us new hearts. He also gives us his Holy Spirit that makes us supernaturally different. And I say holy, no longer the same as we were. And so this is the truth about coming to Christ. When we put our faith in him, supernaturally something changes inside of us. When I came to know Christ, mind you, it wasn't like I cleaned up my act and then he saved me. Guys, I was in the midst of like the party life, ready to, 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 to roll. If anybody had beef with me, I was ready to take, I was, I was re ready to hurt. It's who I was. Christ saved me like right out of that. It wasn't like, oh, there was a period of time. It was, I was in full-blown, ready to ride, as they say in the streets, full-blown, ready to live the hookup life when Christ got a hold of me. And the moment I put my faith in Christ, mind you, I meant it. One of my problems with Christianity, I thought, was that I wouldn't be able to live a holy life the way he expects us to live. Even in the world, I knew God wanted us to live differently, but I didn't think I can be different because I was the way I was. I was 23 years old. I, I was a dog, and so I thought, you know, how can I be different than now? Me and all my friends, me and everyone from my neighborhood, we're all dogs. Everyone was, you know how it is. Living in our sin, I, hadn't, I, I, didn't, I didn't know how I could be different. And Christ convinced my heart that he would change me. He convinced me. 
Nobody told me. He convinced me in my heart. And I said, man, if, you, if I can be different and you can help me be different, then I'm in. So I gave him my heart. Sincerely, I was in tears because I believed my sins were taken care of. That's sincerity. It wasn't a, just a confession and go, go about my business because mom or dad are watching or this is for family or an emotional thing. I'm done. I'm undone. I'm converted. I'm old, done with the old life. God is so a king. As we say in the street, he's so gangster. Meaning he ain't going to be played by just false confessions. He ain't going to be played by emotionalism. We're either with him or we're not. That's what I love about him. All my life it was patronizing in gray area. No rights, no wrong. That's how I grew up. Whatever feels right to you, you do. It's like the left today. That's, that's how they think. They patronize. Oh yes, mijo, of course, that's good for you. That's patronizing. No, what is good and what is bad? God is truth. And so, I gave him my heart. And out of nowhere, I don't know, I don't know how it happened in my heart, I all of a sudden did not want to do the things that I used to do. I didn't want to, to mess with girls. I didn't want to uh, do violence. I didn't want to be drunk. I didn't want to do drugs. Instantly. In here, I didn't know nothing about scripture. Just that's the that's a supernatural because His Holy Spirit comes in us. And Jesus said, "If you believe in me, me and my Father will make our adobe in you, our home in you, God in us." And just I don't feel like doing that stuff anymore. And when the interesting about that is, God gives us His Spirit that gives us power over sin. So not only do I not feel like it anymore, he gives us the power by his spirit to not do it anymore. And then he gives us his word to give us practical application on how to avoid sin. So he's in us. He takes away the, 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 the power of sin. He gives us the strength to not sin. And then he gives us his word to teach us how to avoid it. Things like, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Uh, flee youthful lust. Uh, you know, all of these things he teaches us. And he gives us a spirit to help us be that, right? So, so in order for someone to, after all that, taste it and seen the Lord is good, and then turn around and say, well, uh, uh, I fell because the devil made me do it. I fell because uh, there's something wrong with Christianity. I fell because the, 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 the church was hypocritical or the pastor was hypocritical or they didn't say hi to me the way, you know, all this like nonsense. The reason why people fall is because they want to fall. Okay, God has given us all the tools to succeed. So, sanctification. In chapter 6, it tells us that sin has no power over you anymore. Chapter 7, it, it, it teaches us how Christians struggle with sin still, which is a real deal, right? We, we all sin every day. And, he, it, and Paul talks about the struggle. And then in chapter 8, how we can have victory over it. And so, um, verse 1. Verse 1, what shall we say then? 
What sh uh, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? And so here, God is saying, because God's grace is so big, because the blood of Christ will forgive you of any sin, abortions, murders, hurting people, hurting children, you name the, the, the grossness of sin, no matter what it is, if we confess our sins to the Lord, if we give them our lives, it is cleansed. It is done. That's how good His blood is. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come on out and join us for Sunday services at 8.30 a.m. and at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you'd like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel Sweet Hills.